hey, I want to welcome you out to Bethany Church tonight. And I'm just looking forward, man. We have just positioned ourselves for a week long of revival. And there's just something significant about the season that we're in. And I've just discovered that in the core of my being, I've been, you know, believing this since I was a young man, that God has not forgotten America, that he wants to reveal his mercy in a great way. And I think you can feel a hunger rising across the land for God to do something new and fresh and special. And and listen, we are appointed to live in these times that we're in, and I just believe with all my heart that the Spirit of God is going to breathe fresh in our land again. Amen? So uh, I'm very excited about that. Now, I think I saw my friend Pastor Danny in here. Was he in here? Did I see him? Ah, see, you move, you rascal. So I just want to acknowledge Pastor Danny. He's a wonderful man of God. I don't think I've ever met somebody who has been as consistent and humble in my life. I told him that. Uh, he's a wonderful, godly man, and we're just grateful that you came out tonight, and um, thank you for coming out. I don't know if I know any of the ministers in the room, but if you are, we're glad to have you. And uh, I guess we're going to introduce my dear friends, Ted and Carolyn. Great to have you. And I'm grateful you came all the way out from sunny Florida to be in sunny Montana. Good to have you today. So, Brother Ted. Praise the Lord. Let's give Jesus a hand of praise tonight. Oh, it's great to see you. I'm glad you're here. It's going to be a great night tonight. I've been expecting and praying and believing God all day for what he's going to do tonight. And uh, I can feel his presence already. Didn't you appreciate that worship team? Would you give them a hand again? Tell them how much you appreciate the work they're doing. Not only those, but the the church here, what a great worship team right here at Bethany Billings. I'm telling you, I I appreciate, as I said last night, anointed worship, Brother Paul and the team really love you guys and appreciate all you're doing for the Lord. It takes dedication, you know, continually stand. One thing I can tell you, I was a music director for about 12 years at one point. And uh, I can tell you this, there's something to be said about that phrase in the Bible, bringing a sacrifice of praise, because your flesh doesn't always feel like praising God. Your flesh doesn't always feel like lifting its hands and worshiping the Lord, but we give him a sacrifice of praise. There's some days you feel like dancing, hallelujah, you feel like giving God glory. Other times, your flesh, as the Bible says in Galatians 5.17, it wars against the Spirit. And when the flesh wars against the spirit, that's when you got to stand up and declare, my flesh will not decide the course of my life. But my spirit man, which is led by the Holy Spirit, will decide the course of my future. Amen. I want you to say this with me tonight. Faith defines my future. Amen. Say it again. Faith defines my future. Yeah, and when we walk by faith and not by sight... The Bible tells us we walk into victory every single time. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, I always, I always like to uh, take a moment, if I have the opportunity, and here I, I do, uh, to, you know, I like to worship personally. And people think sometimes they're like, and sometimes I even feel like this in my flesh. Like, you know, when the worship team, like Brother Paul and Sister Carla, when they do such a phenomenal job, it's like, they don't need me. But sometimes, one of the things that I've learned is that my own gift that God's given me of preaching, teaching, sometimes it's activated as I begin to worship God by myself. So uh, even if it's not for anybody in the room, sometimes I sing all for myself. My grandfather used to say this one time. He said, I get a lot of requests, but I sing anyway. Amen. And, uh, and so <laughs> sometimes you just got to break through it. But uh, I feel like worshiping the Lord for one more moment. So if you don't mind, would you just lift your hands right where you're sitting tonight and begin to magnify the name that's above every other name. That's the name of Jesus. 
And when we focus our attention on him, when we worship and praise him, as I said last night, he inhabits the praises of Israel. And I sense his anointing here as we're just worshiping, praising. I felt the breakthrough begin already. Somebody declare this by faith. Tonight is my night to receive from the Lord. Come on, say it again. Tonight is my night to receive from the Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. Hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Come on. And all the earth will shout your praise. Hearts will cry. These bones will sing.
trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart i'll agree and my answer will be yes lord can we do it one more time everybody come on i'll say yes to your will and to your way yes lord yes I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes Lord yes and my answer will be yes Lord yes so oh, it will yes my answer will be yes Lord yes Come on and thank him for his presence. Thank him for his goodness. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he's your healer? Would you lift your hands and just begin to thank him for healing anointing that's in this house tonight? Precious healing anointing of Jesus Christ. There's no sickness too great. There's no disease too big. There's no attack of the devil that's too great that Jesus can't touch you right where you are. Come on, begin to thank him for his healing anointing, healing power. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we give you glory. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. When I was growing up, we sing, There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Sing, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Come on, say, there is power, power, Wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. I know there's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. One more time, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Say there is power. Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Well, if you know it, clap those hands and give Him glory. Oh, hallelujah. Well, before you sit down, just turn and tell somebody the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm excited about what God's going to do. It's always great to be in the presence of the Lord. I'd rather be there than anywhere else. Amen. Anything can happen in the presence of God. Amen. When you've got faith in the Almighty God, the Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. Somebody say all things. We used to sing that when I was growing up. All things are possible. 
only believe. You ever heard that song before? Only believe, only believe. All things are possible. Only believe, only believe, only believe. For all things are possible. Only believe. We might not be done yet. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. Let me find the keyboard we're at. If I could have some keyboard, please. Thank you. Only believe. There it is. Let's take it up a half step. Would you lift your hands all over the house? Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. All things are possible. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. All things are possible. Lord, I believe. Come on, everybody. Lord, I receive. Lord, all things are Lord I receive Lord I receive Lord I receive for all things are possible Lord I receive I'm going to take it up again Come on, every hand lifted one more time. When I was growing up, they used to sing a verse that, to this song. It went like this. Met God this morning. My soul feeling sad. My heart was heavy laden. I had a bow down head. But he lifted all my burdens. And now soul is glad I know that all things are possible <laughs> only believe declare it with me only believe only believe all things are I feel the anointing here tonight come on holy Oh 
just one last time. Would you lift your hands and your voice? Holy. thank you tonight for your word we thank you for your presence we expect great things we have faith in your anointing that's here tonight we're not leaving the same way we came in we're leaving changed by the power of your spirit we thank you Lord that every attack of the enemy has to loose its grip tonight by the power of your spirit we declare where the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom and tonight we declare we are free by the power of the Holy Ghost if you believe that somebody clap your hands and give Jesus all the praise hallelujah praise God well Acts 10 if you have your Bible and as I was just singing the Bible declares all things are possible to him that believes that's Mark chapter 9 all things are possible to him that believes you know God can do such incredible things it blows the minds of natural men and women I mean, I'm talking miracles that are so supernatural, it makes unbelievers w sit there with wide eyes and look. We were in a meeting one time. My dad was preaching at this meeting, and um, there was a guy there who'd had a surgery, and the doctors had removed about eight or nine inches of his spine at the base of his skull. Couldn't even hold his head up. He was in a chair like this with his chin touching his chest. Couldn't even lift his head up and look around. In pain. And the Lord said something to my father that he'd never heard before. He said, prophesy new bone into his neck. He'd never heard that phrase before, my dad, from the Holy Ghost. He said, prophesy new bone into the man's neck. So my father laid hands on the back of that guy's neck and back, and he began to prophesy new bone. When he did, my father said, I could feel new bone growing right under my hand on the spine area where the doctors had removed it. And when he did, the power of the Holy Ghost hit that man. He lifted his head straight up and started moving it back and forth. Well, there was a Muslim family that had come and were visiting for, I mean, the Holy Ghost must have drawn them in, a dad and his two children. And they're sitting there. One was a girl, one was a boy, and the dad's sitting there. And they're like watching this miracle happen. Like, what in the world is this? My father caught the eyes of the little Muslim girl. And he said, would you like to feel what a miracle feels like? She'd nod her head, yes, I would. <laughs> and so she got out of her seat, and she came forward. He said, put your hand right there on his neck where there used to be no bone. God just grew bone back into his body. That little Muslim girl reached her hand out and touched the back of that man's neck where God just healed him and touched him. Now, folks, I do not know how God does what he does. But when that little Muslim girl touched that man's neck, she instantly started speaking in tongues right there at the altar. 
God saved her and filled her with the Holy Ghost in one moment. Her father saw it. Her brother saw it. And that night, uh, they all saw the miracle working power of God. The next night, the Muslim man brought his wife back and the two kids. And when the altar call was given, they came to the altar and gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. God's miracles, I want you to see this. God's, yeah, give God praise. God's miracles, they are, one preacher said, they're the dinner bell for the lost. Hallelujah. Miracles are the dinner bell for the lost. In fact, that's a biblical thought. In the gospel of John chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible says many believed on Jesus' name when they saw the miracles which he did. So the miracles that he performed were the proof that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. He actually said in another passage, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works that I am from the one who sent me. And so Jesus pointed to his miracle working power as the proof that he was the son of God. And he said, listen, you may not believe what I'm preaching, but you got to at least believe the signs and the wonders. In fact, John's disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, listen, are you really the one or are we looking for somebody else? Are you the Messiah or are we waiting on somebody else? You know what he told them? He didn't get all offended and say, well, I can't believe after all this time you still don't believe I'm the son of God. He didn't get mad. He said, go back and tell John the things you've seen and heard. Hallelujah. He said, the blind see. Glory to God. The deaf hear. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The poor have the gospel preached unto them. He pointed once again to his miracles as the proof that he was the son of the living God. And then he told his disciples in John chapter 14, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. Now, what was the point of saying that? He said, well, I'm not going to leave you uh, as an orphan. I'm going to pray to the father and he's going to send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So the whole point of that John 14 was him saying, you'll do what I do when I go to the Father and send you the Holy Ghost. And if you'll remember, he said, you shall receive power, glory to God, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Thank you, Jesus. And so you begin to realize this supernatural aspect of Christianity that we're contending for. It's not arbitrary. It's not meaningless. It's not trivial to believe in a supernatural manifestation of God. It is the proof to this world that Jesus is alive. Do you realize no other uh, religion can talk about the same types of things that we talk about? Even if they have a religion of prayer, they are praying to a nothing, a deadness. If the founder of that religion is uh, an actual person, he's dead and in the ground and never coming back again. Nobody's listening to their prayers. In fact, my cousin was in New York City one time, and he picked up a cab. And when he got into the cab, he saw that the man that was driving it was from another country originally and saw that he was a Muslim. And without telling the man that he was a Christian or a preacher, he just started talking to the man about the Muslim faith. He said, I see you're from another country. The man said, yes, I am. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, I understand Muslims are very dedicated in their prayer life. He said, since you've come to the United States, 
Have you found it very difficult to stay consistent with your five times of prayer a day? And the man said, no. He said, you know, in our country, they have the minarets or the towers where the call to prayer goes out over the loudspeaker or someone's just shouting it in some places. He said, that lets us know it's the time of prayer. He said, but here in the United States, he said, now with technology, we got an app on our smartphone that it'll go off and give you an alert as a Muslim when it's time to pray. And he said, when we do, I just turn my cab light off and I drive to the nearest mosque and I go in and do my midday prayers or whatever it is. He said, I've not found it hard to keep up with my dedication since I've come to the United States. So my cousin asked another question. He said, so let me ask you, since you've been a Muslim in all these years of praying five times a day, what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen Allah do in your life? The man spun around. He said, you're a Christian, aren't you? He said, well, I'm not trying to talk about that. He said, I just want to ask you. He said, no, I know you're a Christian. He said, the way I know is because only Christians think like that. He said, Christians are the ones who pray expecting their God to answer their prayers. He said, we pray because it's our duty to pray. It's part of our discipline to pray. He said, only Christians pray expecting to receive an answer from their God. I thought that Muslim man gave a better testimony of Christian prayer than some Christians do. That's because we do expect answers when we pray because our prayers are not going to deaf ears. Our prayers are going to a living God who sits on a throne and he loves his children and he seeks to bless his children. Hallelujah. I love this because we serve uh, in the only relationship slash religion there is where the founders still alive. Glory to God. I tell you, you can, it doesn't matter what you're a part of. You could be a Hindu. You could be a Muslim. You could, I mean, it doesn't matter what you are. You could go back. If you're a Muslim, you can go on a pilgrimage to Mecca and they can roll out Muhammad's bones in a glass case and everybody can walk by and look at the bones and cry and weep. But Muhammad is dead and he's never coming back again. But I, I can tell you this, I'll put a challenge out to anybody that's watching online or anybody that's here. You can get yourself a plane ticket and go down to Home Depot and get yourself a shovel and fly to the Middle East and you can dig as much as you want to dig but you'll never find Jesus' bones because they're not in the ground tonight. He's not dead but he is alive. He was only dead for three days, but he got up out of the grave, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for you and for me, and preparing a place for us. Can you shout amen? And if he's alive, he's coming soon. If he's alive, he's coming back soon. Jesus is not dead. You know what that's, that's so powerful about that? I, I think about this. Of course, we get to Easter, and everybody preaches on the resurrection. But I, I want to talk to you about something. People say, well, you know, the grave couldn't hold him. That's true. The grave couldn't hold him. You know, and that we talk about the power of the Holy Ghost was too much for death. You know, we talk about resurrection power was too much for death. Can I take you a step further with you? His death was too much for death. Because if you read the story in the Gospels, the Bible says he's on the cross, and he cries out with a loud voice and gives up the ghost. And the Bible says when he gave up the ghost and cried out with a loud voice, the earth began to shake. Earthquake. 
And as the earth began to shake, the Bible says tombs of holy men and women opened up all around the cross. And dead people got up out of the grave and came walking out looking around and went home for dinner. He didn't, they didn't have to wait until resurrection power hit on the third day. But when he died, hallelujah, his death was too much for death. That last shout he gave on the cross, that was too much for death. The power of God that was in his lungs, the breath of God came out of him on the cross, and those dead people had to get up out of their graves because his death was too much for death. Oh, yeah. Jesus so powerful. You know, he said on the third day, but the whole thing about it was he's so powerful, he didn't even need a full three days. If you study the story, that's why he didn't buy, he didn't have to buy a tomb. He just had his disciples go on tombbnb.com and rent him one. Just rented him one. And he didn't even need a full three days. The Bible says he died on the evening of the first day. And they came looking for him early before the dawn on the third day. But the stone was already rolled away. Yeah, hallelujah. He only was dead a partial amount of time on the first day, dead the whole second day, and before the sun came up on the third day, he's already out of the tomb, and the stones rolled away, and the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is alive. Hallelujah. That supernatural aspect of Christianity, reason the devil fights against it so hard, is because he knows it's the proof he's defeated. It's the proof Jesus is alive. The devil doesn't want you to have deliverance in your life. Doesn't want you to walk in divine healing. Doesn't want you to walk in peace and joy. He doesn't want that. He wants to keep people in an invisible prison where they can never break free, where they live their life. Of course, they may go to church. They may lift their hands. They might even smile and laugh in the lobby. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a man may laugh, but his laughter conceals a heavy heart. Everybody that's laughing ain't happy. Everybody that's smiling ain't walking in joy. And you got to realize the devil wants more than anything to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's not satisfied until everything you've got's been stolen from you, till he's killed everything in your life, until he's utterly destroyed your family. But aren't you thankful that Jesus said, but I have come. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. One thing I like about Jesus is he understood. If I'm going to give him abundant life, then I've got to destroy the thing that's holding back abundant life. That's why I call this two sides of the coin. John 10.10 is one side of the coin. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the other side of the coin I preached on Sunday is 1 John 3.8. The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He couldn't give you abundant life until he destroyed the thing holding back abundant life. Until he destroyed sickness, you couldn't walk in healing.
Until he destroyed sin, you couldn't walk in righteousness. Until he destroyed poverty, you couldn't walk in blessing and provision. Until he destroyed fear and panic and depression and all that heaviness, you couldn't walk in peace and joy. But Jesus came like heaven's wrecking ball and destroyed every attack of the devil and gave you authority and power over every work of darkness. If you're thankful for it, somebody shout amen. And so here as I had you turn to Acts chapter 10, and verse 38 is the verse I want to read. First Bible verse I ever learned in my life. I learned it as a young boy. My dad would put me up on the platform as a little boy, and he'd say, quote a scripture. And he'd, he, I'd only learn one, Acts 10, 38. <laughs> I'd get up there as a little boy and say, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. I didn't even pronounce the T. The Holy Ghost. They were, they were training me to be Pentecostal from two years old. <laughs> and power. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. And, and the Bible says that. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing, what did he do? Good. What did he do? Good. What was the good that he did? Healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let me just touch on something for just a moment as we're getting into this, because I believe there's a divine healing touch in the house tonight. For those that have been battling in your physical body, the devil's been trespassing on God's property, it's time for him to loose his grip and let go in Jesus' name. Things that have plagued you for too long have to get out of your body and stay gone in Jesus' name. For you've got access to the mighty blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost. And you've got authority over the works of the devil. The Bible says here, and I want to draw your attention to it, that he went about doing good. That's important to hear. Because it's going to set a precedent for everything we see Jesus do. Went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the, of the who? The devil. So the devil did the oppressing, Jesus did the healing. Let me ask you a question now. How many believe that there was a time in Jesus' ministry where he was rebellious to the Father in heaven? No. In fact, Jesus said, I can say nothing unless I hear the Father say it. I can do nothing unless I see the Father do it. Everything Jesus did, in fact, if you'll underline it in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us that Jesus Christ was the exact representation of the nature of the living God on the earth. There was no difference. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For I and the Father are one. Glory to God. And so you need to understand this. Every person that Jesus came into contact with that approached him by faith who was sick, he healed them. I'm, I'm going to make a point to you here. You, because we might have had some denominational people that snuck in the room. Maybe they're all watching online. But you might have heard somebody preach that sometimes if somebody is sick, it's because the Lord is teaching them a lesson. 
or teaching them how to more fully depend upon his power. Sometimes God makes people sick for a reason. Sometimes he's working something out in their life. That's what they'll preach, and that's what they'll teach. But see, if you believe that, then you've got to explain why. In the Gospels, every single person who was sick that Jesus encountered, he never found one where he said, well, I was going to heal you, but now that I've inspected you, I can see that God has put this on you to teach you a lesson and to get you to fully depend on his glory and his power. And so I'm going to leave you in the state you're in so that you can learn the lesson that my father's been teaching. He never once ever said that. In fact, even if there were situations where that was the case and Jesus just went ahead and healed him anyway, he was working against his father's plan to teach that person a lesson. But you'll never find one time in the Gospels where Jesus encountered a sick person who approached him by faith and he said, I'm sorry, I just can't heal you. I actually only heal from nine to five. If you'd have checked the door, it said closed. No, you'll never find a time where Jesus did not uh, take the, his response was not healing when their action was faith and pursuit of faith. In fact, you know, it, it blows my mind what I'm hearing a lot of these pastors in America say. That, I had somebody the other day, you know, there's pastors that are literally closing down. You know, it doesn't even make any logical sense. We close down once every seven weeks because we know people are, you know, sick and it's, it's dangerous to be gathered all the time. And, and I don't even understand this because they, they've forgotten haven't they? Where in the Bible, the Bible says that lepers who were extremely contagious, they approached Jesus. And under the law of Moses, if you go back and study Leviticus, if lepers ever left the leper colony, see, they were quarantined. I don't know if you know that, but quarantine's not new, and it was all the way in the Old Testament. These lepers were quarantined all the way back then. And according to the law of Moses, it was a death penalty if you left quarantine and came back in among the population because you were so contagious that you were a danger to others. And so these lepers risked their lives to approach Jesus to see if he would even be willing to heal them when they came. And you remember the story. They approached Jesus, and Jesus saw them breaking the law of Moses and pulled out his cell phone and called the contact tracing hotline and turned every one of them in, said every one of you should have masks on, every one of you should be social distancing, you should not be approaching me in these situations in this culture. That ain't what Jesus did. Jesus said, I'm willing, be made whole, now go show yourself to the priest. And as they were on the way, the Bible says they were made clean. Glory to God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And as they were on the way, they were made clean. One of them. See, let me just tie something into you here because this got me stirred up. When one of them turned around to come back and give Jesus thanks. You know, that, that disease of leprosy is a nasty disease, man. It eats your body parts away. If you've ever been overseas or maybe you've seen it, people that battle, battle leprosy still today, they got fingers falling off, ears falling off, nose falling off, toes falling off. It eats away at your flesh. Imagine these men. Who knows what they'd lost? Maybe they'd lost fingers and toes and ears and nose, and they're approaching Jesus, broken and in pieces, and Jesus speaks to them and tells them they've been made clean. Oh, hallelujah. You know what that means? The disease 
had left their bodies. But notice the disease was gone, but they were probably all still in the state they were. They just would never get any worse than they were. Healed of the disease, but one of them turned around. And when one turned around, he came back to give Jesus all the praise and the glory and the honor and gave him thanks. And Jesus asked him a question. I thought I healed 10 of you. Where's the other nine? The man didn't have any answer for that. He just began thanking Jesus for his goodness, praising Jesus. And the, you know what the Bible says? Jesus spoke to the one man and said, you go your way for your faith has made you you can't be whole without your fingers and toes and nose and ears and thanksgiving and praise. It didn't just bring him healing, but he recovered what he lost when the devil attacked. I'll tell you, if we'll keep ourselves in a place of thanksgiving and praise, God will let us recover even what was stolen that the enemy thought he could keep. Somebody shout amen. amen. I like Proverbs 631 because the Bible says when the thief is found, he must pay back everything, but how much? Seven times. Seven times. Seven times. I like when God blesses you after the devil's attacked you, God always likes to make up for the past. You even look all the way back to the story of Job. Everybody always likes to preach the story of Job. Everybody focuses on the short period of time where the devil was attacking him. They forget his whole life was so blessed it made people jealous. You know, scholars tell us that the ordeal Job went through probably lasted less than 18 months. And look how long the man lived, and lived with a double portion. You know what the Bible says? After God touched Job and restored him, the Bible says he gave him a double portion. And I looked into it. I thought this was so interesting. Gave him double portion of his properties and his gold and his livestock and his children, all the things. I read through all that. You know what I found out? Only place he didn't get a double portion was his wife. Because <laughs> one's enough for any man. Praise God. <laughs> I was with a pastor and his wife one time, and the wife said to me, just laughing, she said, you know, behind every great man of God, there's a woman that has to deal with his greatness. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And didn't give him a double portion of his wife. But notice that once the devil has attacked, God always not only makes up, but blesses you over and above. God's got a plan to bless you over and above. I said, God's got a plan to bless you over and above. God's got a plan to bless you over and above. The devil is a liar, but the word of God is true. I said, the word of God is true. That same anointing that raised Christ from the dead is still active in our bodies tonight. The same spirit that raised Jesus up, that's the Holy Ghost is dwelling in us. And the Bible says that wherever he went, he was doing good. And he was healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It blows my mind that in this day and age, we've got denominational churches that have got this thing twisted. They're teaching people that if people are getting healed in a revival service, that's the devil doing that because God doesn't do that anymore. Then they've got people getting sick. You know what they're saying? That's God putting that on them to teach them a lesson. They got God making people sick and the devil healing them. 
They got the whole thing twisted because they believe that somehow the Holy Spirit has ceased in his operation in 2021. But my Bible still reads that God, he never changes. He said, I'm the Lord your God and I do not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's doing the same things now that he was doing 2,000 years ago. If he was healing them back then, he's still healing us today. Hallelujah. See, there's power in just us praising God like we were doing tonight. We were in the middle of a West Virginia camp meeting that my father was holding. I jumped up on the keyboard. We were doing some praise and worship, and I was singing one of my favorite songs. It's written by a Holy Ghost woman in the woods of Kentucky. The song is actually called Funeral Plans. And the song, it goes like this. When I die, let me die speaking in tongues. Let it ring in my ears all these songs I've sung. Give me strength to praise you. Speak your name one more time. Then have your angels carry me over to the other side. And we were singing that. And I mean, the place was dancing and shouting. All of a sudden, without anybody laying hands on anybody, Nobody anointed with oil. There was no prayer cloth laid. We were just praising God. And as we were praising God, I watched. There was a man sitting back about where this lady with a nice yellow shirt on is. And he was sitting right about there. And he'd come in on crutches. And he was crippled up. And he got his seat right about there. As we were singing that song, I watched. As the power of God hit that man, he threw them crutches down and took off running around the church. He had been in a car accident that had injured his back, and he was crippled from a car accident. But as we were praising God, and God was inhabiting our praises, healing virtue jumped into his body, and he threw the crutches down and began to run by the power of the Holy Ghost. The man that was sitting right behind him at the camp meeting he had had a surgery gone bad and when the doctor had finished the surgery it had left him blind in his right eye and deaf in his right ear that side of his face was not functioning but as the man threw the crutches down and took off running that man behind him started jumping up and down and you could hear him shouting I can see I can hear I can see I can hear I'm telling you there's such a strong anointing that you may not even have to wait for somebody to lay hands on you you might not even need to wait for anointing with oil if you'll just begin to praise him if you'll just begin to worship him God will touch you right where you're sitting tonight that same anointing that raised Jesus will drive sickness out of your body and bring healing into your soul somebody shout amen <laughs> Ooh, glory to God I feel the Holy Ghost in here amen I said amen Glory to God. Woo, I got blessed all by myself. <laughs> we can shut the service down, go to Taco Bell. I'm done. Hallelujah. Now, I feel the Holy Ghost. See, when you brag on Jesus, he shows up. Whew, amen. Hallelujah. It's the best. <laughs> when you brag on Jesus, he begins to show up. That's what you find out. That praise, that inhabiting of your praise, that's him showing up to operate and to move. That's God showing up to set the captive free. That's God showing up to destroy the chains that have held you. You understand? And when you begin to praise God, see, I remember this. Brother Hagin had a vision one time. 
And he was asking God about why more of God's people were not seeing their prayers answered. He said, Lord, why is it that more people aren't there praying, but they're not seeing their prayers answered? And he was caught up into a vision. And the Lord showed him like scales, like old school scales of justice, like you've seen. And he said, one of the sides of the scales was way up in the air. And the other one was weighted down to the ground. And he looked into the one that was weighted down to the ground, and he saw the word prayer in it. And he said, yeah, there's been plenty of prayer. But when he looked way up in the sky, the Lord showed him the other side of the scale had the word praise in it. And he said, when my people's praise equals their prayer, their breakthrough will come. Hallelujah. That's the word. And, he, and you know what he took him? He took him to the book of Acts chapter 16, where the Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to pray and sing praises unto God. He, they begin to what? Pray and sing praises unto God. That's Acts 16, 25. And the Bible says, and when they did, the whole prison began to shake. Every chain fell off and every door came open. Hallelujah. You know what I like about that? When we live this life of praise unto God, it's not just for you and it's not just for me, but your praise is bigger than you. It can set the captives free in your own family. It can set your children free. It can set your grandchildren free. Notice, those were the only two men in the whole prison that were praising God. But when the breakthrough came, the Bible says every door came open and every chain fell off. Even people who weren't praising got their door open. Even people that weren't worshiping got their chains taken off to the point where the jailer looked around and he was ready to take himself out until Paul and Silas began to say, hey, don't fall on your sword. Don't kill yourself. We're all still here. But that breakthrough came in the midst of prayer and of praise. I think about when Peter was in jail and the Bible said he was so locked in an inner prison that they didn't want him to get out. Apparently, there was a lot of news going around that these people got out of jail pretty often. <laughs> and so there was constant jail breaks in the New Testament. But the Bible says they didn't want him getting free and so here he is in a cell between two guards and the bible says that in the middle of all that the day before they'd arrested a christian and put him to death and when they saw how it pleased the jews they decided to grab peter he was probably a pretty influential character they thought if we're gonna get some real favor let's kill one of the heads of this christian movement and they put him in that cell and locked him between two guards and the church was praying hallelujah the church you want to talk about peace that passes all understanding the bible says after they'd killed that other christian peter could understand he was no dummy i'm probably next on the list and in the middle of that imagine how you'd feel being in jail knowing that because you're a Christian, tomorrow they're going to execute you. There'd be people up pacing that cell, praying in speed tongues. There'd be people in there like Porky Pig. You ever hear that? People get into like an anxious situation. They start praying in like super tongues, like making for lost time or something. I don't know what they're doing. But I mean, people would be up pacing around. Oh, God, open the windows of heaven. I pray this jail would begin to shake. Tonight. I mean, there's people that would go into warfare, worship and praise. And notice this. You talk about the gift of faith that brings a peace that passes all understanding. The Bible says, Peter, when he should have been up and anxious and afraid, he was sitting there between two guards. <laughs> gone. 
I mean sleeping, gone. To the point, this is how hardcore Peter was sleeping. The Bible says as the church began to pray and their prayers were being answered, here comes an angel into the cell and Peter's trying to hit the snooze button on an angel. <laughs> Bible said the angel tried so hard to wake Peter up, he finally had to strike him on the side and say, get up, it's a jailbreak. <laughs> Peter's in there so dead asleep. You know what that means? He had a peace that passes all understanding. You can live in your life and not be in a mess of turmoil like the rest of this world. When every one of these reports comes through from Fox News, CNN, CNBC, you don't have to sit up all night worrying about what's going to happen to America, what's going to happen with the economy, what's going to happen in the government. You're not part of this system. You're on God's system. You're on God's time. You're victorious by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I came to encourage you on a Tuesday night, it's time to go to another level in victory by the power of God. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. amen. It's time to go to another level. I'm so tired of seeing the devil mess with people. That's why, you know, people say, do you ever go home? Sometimes. But we stay gone. You know why? I feel it in my spirit that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon and people aren't ready to see him. There's people playing church all over America, punching their card. They come in, play a little game. I, I've, I've been very serious about this. I've told my, my wife and I've told some pastors. I said, I'll be honest with you. I'm very seriously thinking about starting revivals on a Sunday night versus a Sunday morning. Because after having traveled for, you know, 20, 30 years, and I've traveled before that with my father since I was a baby, in every revival meeting you can imagine across this nation, we traveled with other evangelists like R.W. Shambach and others. I've seen it. I've seen these things happen for now close to 40 years. You know what I've seen? I've seen there's some people that are so into play in church. They come in on a Sunday morning and punch their card, and it does not, I, it wouldn't matter if we brought a casket right here with a guy that had been embalmed, and I opened it up and said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, raise him back to life. And he sneezed and stood up and started dancing in the house of God. It wouldn't matter to them. They're not coming back for the rest of the week. Well, we're Sunday morning people. I'm just telling you, I've seen it from time after time after time after time. There are people that have been so deceived. Their hunger has been so stolen from them. They've been so into a place. They've been brought into a cold place by the spirit of this world. They're not interested in seeing God move. They're not interested in revival. I, I tweeted something a couple days ago, tongue in cheek, but not really. I'm pretty much being serious. That there are people who literally, in all honesty, they say, well, man, we want revival. We're hungry. Hungry for revival. As you know, as long as it's not too long, and of course, as long as it's not too loud, and of course, as the long as the weather's not too bad, and of course, not too good either, and of course, as long as there's good coffee in the lobby, and huh? Oh, yeah, we but, but by my God, we're hungry for revival. Oh, yeah. Oh, and also, is there child care? Because I'm not gonna be able to make it if there's not, huh? Oh, my, but my God, we're hungry. Lord, shake this nation, Lord, but just do it. If I could stay home while you do it, that'd be wonderful. 
but we need a move of God. That's why I commend you, all the people being in the house of God on a Tuesday night, thank God for you. Thank God for the hungry ones. Thank God for the ones that are sold out for the move of the Holy Ghost. We need more people that are just like this, that are not satisfied with what's going on in America, not satisfied with what's going on in our school systems, in the healthcare system, in the governmental system, not satisfied, ready to stand up and declare, Lord, have your way in America. Have your way in Montana. Have your way in this church. Have your way in my home. Have your way with my children, but move by your spirit and set your people free. Somebody shout amen. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? For the Lord was with him. Hallelujah. For the Lord was with him. For the Lord was with him. Jesus is a healer. He never stopped being a healer. His power is present to heal. Can you say amen? Just lift your hand right where you're sitting. I'm telling you, I feel him here tonight. People are going to be touched by God's power. I'm so thankful for a Jesus who cares about his children so much that he could have just, think about this, he could have just gone to the cross simply to save your soul. That would have been enough. We'd have been able to go to heaven for eternity and spend our, the rest of eternity with the Lord God. But he said, you know what? I love him so much that I'm not just going to go straight to the cross. God set up a little layover for Jesus so that he could take stripes upon his back. He said, I don't want you just saved in your spirit. I want you healed in your body. And he took stripes upon his back. Thank you, Jesus. He carried, he carried those things on his body. Glory to God. He carried those things on his body so that you didn't have to carry them on yours. You know, one of the things that I love, the Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 3, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is every man that's hung on a tree. You understand that by Jesus taking the curse, that everything that was listed in the curse of the law is broken off the believer. And I love how smart, eternally wise the Holy Ghost is. That I know that people would get all dogmatic and they'd read Deuteronomy 28. You know, it's funny. Everybody loves to read the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28. You'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the people. Oh, my God, did it. Nobody likes to read 15 through 68. But if you do not hearken, I'll curse you in the city. I'll curse you in the people. I got to go to the restroom real quick. I... Yeah, but notice he begins to list diseases that come upon the nation of Israel, and he'll list, he lists them specifically. And I'm sure that if he'd not done this one thing, then there'd have been some person that would have stood up and said, well, really not all disease is covered under Jesus' blood, just the ones listed since he redeemed us from the curse. But you know what I like? 
If you read Deuteronomy 28, verse 61, and it says, and every sickness and every disease that is not listed in the book of this law, hallelujah, that means that stuff that wasn't even invented yet, stuff that hadn't even hit the earth yet, Jesus redeemed us from. He saw into the future, and before there was cancer, he healed you of cancer. And before there was type 2 diabetes, he healed you of diabetes. Before there was COVID-19, before there was a lab in Wuhan with Antichrist men that were making a plan to destroy the world, before there was any of that, there was the blood of Jesus that's available for every one of us by the power of God. Somebody shout, I'm redeemed from the curse. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus' blood is greater. His blood is greater. His power is greater. Sick, as my father has been saying, name one sickness Jesus can't heal. That's why it's silent. There aren't any. His blood is greater. His name is greater. His power is greater than every attack of the devil. I'm telling you, we serve a wonderful Savior. Jesus is wonderful. I said he's wonderful. His power is magnificent. Hallelujah. You know, it doesn't matter. Even if the thing you're battling, sometimes people don't even know it. But if you study the individual healing miracles of Jesus, you know what you're going to find? One out of every three people that Jesus healed in the Gospels, he had to first deal with a spirit that was afflicting them before he could bring healing to their body. Whether if it was a spirit of infirmity, an unclean spirit, doesn't matter. You'll find it. 33% of the people he healed, it was a spirit that was attacking their physical body. But you know what? It doesn't even matter if a spirit of infirmities attacked your body. Doesn't even matter. You know, that's how you can tell some of the stuff we got going on right now in America is spiritual, not natural. You can tell, you know how you can tell? When you got kids that are 12 years old that are chronically depressed. What do you have to be depressed about at 12? You haven't paid one mortgage payment yet. <laughs> never paid a tax. <laughs> You've never had to pay insurance. Well, you didn't get to play enough video games today. What in the world does a 12-year-old have to be chronically depressed about? And then you know what they tell us? Well, brother, what you don't understand is it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. That might be how it manifests when you go to look at it. But you understand what I'm talking about? I can remember just 20-some years ago as a high school student, I was in a school, I knew so many people in that high school, I didn't know one person, not one, that was taking antidepressants. Not one high school student. You go to schools today, and you know what you're going to find? Students all through middle schools and high schools and college that are having to take these drugs and medications because their minds are being attacked in these final moments of time. I, listen, I, I've been there, done that. I've stood at altars all over America and all over the world as young people have got their hands lifted with tears streaming down their face. And as I walk down past everybody in a t-shirt and tank top and they've got cut marks from the wrist to the elbow because they've been cutting themselves and abusing themselves because the devil's lied to their mind and told them that they're worthless people and they might as well take their own life and abuse their body. It's a spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit that's attacking our generation. There's people who don't like to hear that because they want to put everything into the realm of science and medication. But you can't medicate a demon spirit. You can just 
just zombify a population until they just walk around like the walking dead. But it's all still there underneath the surface. And they're still struggling. And they're still battling for their lives. And I'm telling you, Jesus didn't come to prescribe you a medication. Jesus didn't come to direct you to a pharmacy. Jesus didn't come to put you on a hospital bed. Jesus came to set the captive free. He came to heal those that are sick. He came to deliver those that are oppressed. He came to set every person free by his spirit. Can you shout amen? Amen. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. He's worth, you know, that's why I can't even say certain phrases because they don't even make sense in my mind. How can I say, let's give him all the praise he's due tonight? How can you do that? You'd be here for eternity clapping your hands, shouting and dancing. Because we can't give him all the praise he's due. You ever think about that? The, the funny thing is, you read Revelation 5, he's got a whole group of angels that all they do is fly around the throne 24-7, 365, and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. I mean, that's all they do. They don't go on vacation. They don't stop. There ain't no potty breaks. They're just praising him all day, all night, all day. Because you, he said, if you won't praise me, the rocks will cry out and praise me. You think about how great Jesus is. Wherever he went, praise had to come to him. Literally, as he's going into the city for his own crucifixion, they're pulling him into the city with their praise. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. I mean, they're praising him. And his, their praise is pulling him into his destiny and pulling him into his purpose and pulling him into your promise. And they praise him. It was only a few hours later that they said, crucify him, crucify him. But their praise brought the presence of Jesus into Jerusalem. The same thing happens today. If we'll begin to praise him and give him all the glory, then I'll tell you his presence will be right where we are and every attack of the devil will have to loose its grip and let go in Jesus mighty name hallelujah hallelujah and I'm going to pray I mean it's on my heart I'm going to pray for you tonight I'm going to ask the Lord to touch you I'm going to ask the Lord to give you and turn your prayer request into a praise report have that testimony in your hand of God's goodness let me ask this question how many of you could look back over your life and point your finger at something you know God did for you. That no man did it, you know God did it. How many got a testimony like that? One thing I always encourage people with is this. I say, you know, if you're believing for another miracle, why don't you praise him for the last one till the next one manifests? As our sister said, our praise, our worship, it's our warfare. It's our weapon. We pull that thing out, and as we begin to praise God, it's like a weapon in our hand. He goes ahead of us and fights our battles for us. Glory to God. Makes me think of the tribe of Judah. As they're going out in battle towards three armies that have been come together to kill them all. I'd like to have been in that war room when they were like, now listen. We're going to send you out ahead. He's like, all right, where's the weapons at? We're not actually going to give you any weapons. We have the Ark of the Covenant. We've got some cymbals, and we've got some lyres, and we've got, just take the instruments and begin to sing and pray. I'd like to see their face like, we're going out first, and we're just going to have instruments. We're going to sing. That's what we're doing now. And, and out they go. <laughs> Friend, I'm sure they're thinking like, I can't believe this is happening right now. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> and they're, they're on their way. <laughs> on the way toward three armies that are sent to destroy them. 
But God said, notice he said, he didn't say I want you to fight them. Notice all he said, I want you to go out against them. All he's waiting to see is, are you willing to go where he tells you to go? He said, God knew what he was going to do. I'm going to go out ahead of you and fight your battle for you. I'm just willing to see if you'll walk by faith and not by sight. And do what the Lord tells you to do. And I'll tell you, when our obedience kicks in and we're walking by faith and not by sight, we're walking into miracles. We're walking into the blessing. I, as I said last night, I refuse to put my eyes on what this world is doing. I refuse to put my ears on the reports of wicked men who are driven by an anti-Christ agenda. There comes a time in every believer's life where you've got to ask yourself the question, whose report are you going to believe? And our response is, we will believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. We shall believe the report of the Lord. We shall believe the report of the Lord. I already told you the testimony, how I didn't receive the report over my daughter in the hospital. I didn't receive the heart problem report. I didn't receive the blood disease report. I didn't receive any of that. My second daughter was attacked as we were in revival in Jacksonville, Florida, and we took her to the hospital there. We didn't receive that report over my second daughter, Brooklyn, who's back there tearing up the kids' class. We didn't receive that. I'm telling you, and my wife and I, again, I didn't stop one thing. We kept going to revival. I'd come back to the hospital, back to revival, back to the hospital. Devil ain't going to pull me out of my purpose. He's not going to stop me from doing what God's called me to do, not stopping my wife. And we got total victory over it that time, total victory over it that time. We said, with this third baby coming, we ain't doing it again. So, devil, we've learned our lesson. We're not letting you have one inch, and we've not had to suffer one thing. I'm telling you, you can walk in victory over the attacks of the devil. Don't let any religious nut job ever tell you that you have to go from crisis to crisis and from problem to problem and you got to go from suffering to suffering. They'll preach suffering like Jesus came to make you sick, to make you poor, to make you depressed, to make you anxious, but that's not the Jesus you serve. He came to set you free. The suffering you may encounter might be evil men that persecute you for serving Jesus. Jesus said, that would come. You'll be hated all over the world for my name's sake. But Jesus didn't come to destroy your body. And he didn't come to destroy your mind. And he didn't come to destroy your children. And he didn't come to destroy your finances. He came to bless you because he loves you. And that same power is in this church tonight. Now I want to stir your faith up. It's your time to receive a touch from the almighty God. Hallelujah.